book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, as I continue on in this sermon series. Yet, we need to start a little bit back in chapter 2 to talk about where God has brought them through. They have conquered, with God's help, the first of many battles, the first of many lands, as they were provided the win with, against king of Heshbon, Sihon. First, though, I want to talk about how I had some comments last time about using what God has given me as a gift and knowing about the mentality of the people of God. And so I thought a little bit more about that, and I'm going to explain it in this sense today, because I think it does give um, some reflection on the people who went through the desert. And Moses was their leader as a child. These people that went through, they couldn't even start to enter into the promised land because God said, this generation, those who were of war, had to die off. That's why it took 40 years for them to start to cross the Jordan. But yet, at this time, those people, that generation, the elders, were passing away. And yet, this generation never knew war. So how could God take a people that never knew war and conquer all the rest? The passage in 2 Corinthians 12.10 reminds me of what Paul says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. He uses our weakness to his benefit because we can't claim it for ourselves when he has used us. I thought about that this week as I was giving my children lessons and I thought, wow, how interesting that my children, when they first started to learn how to swim, they needed this flotation device, right? So I couldn't just throw them into the deep end as I've heard in the past they have done, and expect them to swim. They could have drowned. Yet, my children, I teach them, they saw me do it. They practice with that flotation device, and they start to get it, and then I take the flotation device away. Yet, God led them into the promised land, and but yet, He kept a flotation device before they crossed over the Jordan. Moses. Moses was still with them when they first started to conquer certain areas. So remember that. They didn't know war. They didn't know battle. One other thing that I thought about. Moses would have been raised in Pharaoh's kingdom, right? He probably was a martial artist or some type of warrior trained, and I'm sure he trained many of these children. So, we see that. We know that they weren't used to war, but yet God gets them through it. So we pick up in chapter 3 today, verse 1. And it says, all the way, and I'll read to 11. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan. Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, and they came out to meet us in the battle of Edri. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, 
For I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him just as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered Og also, king of Bashan, with all his people into our land, or into our hand, and we smote them until no survivor was left. We captured all the, his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og and Bashan. All these were cities fortified with high walls. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Interesting enough, I thought about my understanding of the scriptures, and when I came to this next passage, this verse, I thought Jericho was the one with the high walls. Wow, wait. They experienced the high walls before they even crossed over the Jordan. And God allowed them to conquer these people. Who was still there? The leader that they knew as a child. Moses. But yet they had to learn to trust that it was God as they crossed over the Jordan later. We'll see something about that later on in these verses. But it says, All these were cities fortified with high walls, just like Jericho, gates and bars, besides a great many unwalled towns. We utterly destroyed them, as we did to Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the animals and the spoil of the cities we took as our booty, Thus we took the land at that time from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan from the valley of Arnon to Mount Hermon. Remember, this is the generation that was younger than the warriors and the ones that, because their fathers, that generation, came back and said they were scared to go against them. So this generation didn't know that fear because they trusted in the Lord. Sidonians call Hermon Syrian, and Amorites call it Sinir. All the cities of the plateau, and all Galid, and all Bishan, as far as Selakah, and Edri, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bishan. They conquered all this area. Amazing, when they didn't ever see war before in their whole life. But it wasn't them, it was God. They couldn't take any credit for it. Another passage within the scripture points out that they killed everybody, no matter who it was in that kingdom. That's where they started to go wrong after they crossed the Jordan. They started making deals. They didn't do what God had told them. As you see in the movies today, somebody leaves one son alive. 30, 40 years later, they come back. But they weren't following. And this, Moses makes sure that to follow the letter, the jot, and the tittle, and they are done away with, and they conquer that area because God wanted them to. How many of us are following what God wants us to, to the T? We all struggle with that. But yet God can glorify, be glorified in our weakness. 
And it goes on to say, For only Ah, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Behold, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. It is the Rabbah of the sons of Ammon. Its length was nine cubits, and its width four cubits by ordinary cubit. I heard Brother James McGee mention on this commentary. He said, We think that the king-sized bed is actually fairly new. But when you read this scripture, that was a huge bed outdoing our king-sized beds that we can even do today. There's nothing new under the sun. And this guy was really tall. Now in verse 12, it goes on to say, Who inherits this land? And it says, We took possession of this land at that time from Arior, which is by the valley of Arnon, and half the hill country of Galid, and its cities I gave to the Reubenites and to the Gadites. The rest of Galid and all Bishan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob. Concerning all Bishan, it is called the land of Rephaim. Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the region of Argob as far as the border of the Gersherites and the Machathites and called it, that is, Bishan, after his own name, Havath Jair, as it is to this day. To Makir I gave Galid. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites I gave from Galid, even as far as the valley of Arnon, the middle of the valley as a border, and as far as the river Jabbok, the border of the sons of Ammon. And the Arabah also with the Jordan as a border from Hinnereth, even as far as the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah on the east. See, that, that's the borders right there. God told them in the previous chapters not to go back to Moab, right? Or to take certain areas. So they're, they're outlining it, and they're giving it over to certain ones. And then in verse 18 it says, Then I command you at this that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess it. All you valiant men shall cross over armed before your brothers, the sons of Israel. But your wives and your little ones and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in your cities which I have given you, until the Lord gives rest to your fellow countrymen as to you, and they also possess the land which the Lord your God will give them beyond the Jordan. Then you may return every man to his possession, which I have given you. Okay, that, I love Deuteronomy because it gives a brief synopsis of what other scripture says. Now, Numbers 32 expands what we just went over. If I needed to hurry up and get an A in a class, I, I read over the highlights in the book. This is what Deuteronomy is. It's the highlights of of what God has already done. So, in Numbers 32, you see this passage. And you see how the Reubenites and the Gadites, once they conquered this land, they came to Moses and they said, Moses, let us stay here. Let us make homes. Let us build here. And Moses says, Whoa! What are you doing? Your fathers did the same thing. God told them to go up, take possession. And they were fearful 
And they're saying, we're not doing that, Moses. We will actually go and fight the rest of the time. But this is good land. It's almost like Riverside and Corona and the promised land is Orange County and San Diego. Right? Why? Because Riverside and Corona, I could equate it to Bakersfield because that's where I'm from. Good land for livestock. Good land for farming. But the promised land, beautiful area, green and lush, great weather. Riverside, Bakersfield, need a heat. You need to raise your cattle in it, right? So that's what they're saying. Hey, the bigger picture, like I said, again, Numbers 32, fine, you can have it, but you and your children must cross over and fight because we are one people. So it was funny because even Rashi said it was up to God to allow that to happen, but their intent, their... Their attitude wasn't about staying in this portion of the land. It was about what was good for the people. And their heart was still after what God wanted. Going across the Jordan and helping their brethren. Picking up in verse... uh, I'm going to jump down to 23 through 27. So Moses, right? Moses himself. Let's think about Moses' mindset. He had to deal with these obstinate people for 40 years. Just going from place to place in the desert. Being questioned. And yet now, he starts to see the hand of God rewarding the people and giving it over to them. Wow. Again, as I jump down to 23, the larger picture is in Numbers 28-13. through 13. But this, again, is a synopsis of it. It says, I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works, mighty acts as yours? Let me, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough, speak to me no more of this matter. Go up to to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes to the west and north and south and east and see it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over the Jordan. As I said before, it expands in numbers. He was, God was holding him higher and more accountable, just like he does to pastors. But he was holding him more accountable because he struck that rock twice when he was just supposed to speak to it. Christ would only be struck once for all men, but he struck it twice. He would not get into the promised land at this time. The interesting piece here is, as well. He says, let me go over and see it. My grandfather, actually, he said to me, um, he can remember being out on the golf course, the one that's still alive, and he said, dear God, please, if it's in your ability, please just let me hit that ball so far that I won't even be able to see it. 
And he said, you have to watch what you ask for. Because God shortened his sight, and he's still hitting it as far, but he can't see it anymore. (laughs) Right? So that's a true story. He did tell me that. Well, interesting here, that in verse, what? He says, let me see the promised land. And he tells Moses, go up on top of Pisgah, and I will show it to you. He granted Moses what he asked for. So we see that here as well. Going back, what's he do? He, God asks him, or Moses asks God, then let me pick somebody, or you pick somebody to, to be the leader moving forward. That's why I went back. It tends to go in this direction here. It flows better. So, in verse 28, and then we'll jump back to 21 and 22, it says, But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across at the head of this people, and he will give them an inheritance, the land which you will see. I'll read the next two verses in a minute. I can only think that God allowed Joshua to come alongside Moses during that time to see what God can do to gain instruction from somebody like Moses. For he needed that encouragement. He needed to know how to guide and direct his people the way Moses was directed by God. That is very important. Not to just come up with something from nowhere. But he watched Moses for many years. He was instructed by him. I can only imagine what Joshua was going through when he was chosen by God. He was, he was worried, but then he allowed Moses to lead the people. Joshua saw him be the leader in the midst of conquering these few lands. 21 through 22. I, command, I commanded Joshua at that time saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Joshua had to take that to heart. Because Moses was going to go up on that hill. And what Moses had done for over 40 years in leading those people, Joshua was about to do. And yet, he saw the hand of God deliver these provinces, this this area, over to them. And yet, Joshua's strength carried them through, and Joshua had to lean on the Lord even more. And you know that there's going to be some rebellion among the people that Joshua had to go through. But yet, Joshua leaned on God Just like we know that God is in control here at the Disciple Center. We have to lean on Him for understanding. I could not have been up here teaching today. You guys have seen me grow in my ability to teach. You guys firsthand have seen what God has done in my own life. I have seen what God has done in your lives. And I know He will continue to strengthen us. As we continue on, 
I remember one of the first teachings that I ever did was a one-chapter book. And now I dare to even go into Deuteronomy, yet it's become my favorite book in the whole Scripture. Finishing off, it says in 29, So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. That's where they stayed until the time of Moses to depart happened. We continue today to remain where we are today, not knowing where we'll be in two or three years, but knowing that God can direct us and lead us and that He will see us through. We committed to each other to raise our children together, just as God saw those children of Israel go through the Jordan and cross over I know that He will see us through as we continue to fellowship with one another. And just like Dr. Stokes, as he directed yesterday's service, he mentioned that when Braden passed away, it was very difficult, yet the fellowship of the believers is what has gotten him through. The ability to talk about Braden's death, just like the fellowship of believers back then as they went through these trials and these wars. They didn't know it back then, but yet the safety zone is with God. Just like our children learn from us, we can start to put these floaties away as we trust in Him and know that He's still there. Because our faith is no longer has to be milk or the safety zone Because we walk with Him and He knows us. Because each day we should be gaining knowledge and walking closer to Him. Let us go to Him in prayer today. Father, we.